1: We are kind of doing something that feels a little bit like deja vu. I feel like we've (laughs) talked about this before, but we are going to talk today about thinking symbolically. Yes. I'm not sure what that means entirely. So why don't you start us off by telling us what is thinking symbolically mean?
0: Okay. So what you have to recognize is that uh, magic exists at the level of the subconscious and unconscious for most people. And within the subconscious and unconscious, we operate on a symbolic level. We don't operate on a logic level. So our brains work uh, in symbols. And so in order for us as humans in today's day and age to recognize uh, what's going on as our subconscious and unconscious tries to talk to us, we have to begin to understand what the symbols are and what they mean okay so the the process of learning how to think symbolically is uh it's kind of like ba- brain bending because <laughs> you have to learn how to see the symbols in everything and it will completely change all literature for you
1: forever. okay wow why
0: Well, because um, so much of literature is spoken in symbols, it'll also change movies for you forever. (laughs) So you know, there's there's so much of a rich tapestry of what's being said under the surface, Um, and it's it's so very clear to me that some people get it and some people don't. And if you if you really want to grasp how how badly people don't get it, watch *Mamma Mia* and then watch *Mamma Mia* Here We Go Again*, and you will see that the fact of the matter is that the person who wrote the first one, who wrote the book and the first movie and the stage play really got symbols. I actually have seven pages of notes on the symbology of Mamma Mia. That's how much I love Mamma Mia. The person who wrote Mamma Mia Here I Go Again, which was a different writer, broke every symbol that was created by the original. (laughs) in the screenplay i was so angry when i left that movie because he broke everything and so you know there's there's a host of difference between trying to continue a storyline and trying to continue a mythological arc the reason mamma mia was so popular was because it tapped into the morphic field of the two aspects of aphrodite aphrodite pendemos and aphrodite oranos and so the the older and the younger of the two aphrodites uh, in their triple aspect form which the triple goddess is a is a, a traditional construct based on the moon with the crescent moon the full moon and the waning moon right mm-hmm. And so the triple aspect of each of the two were the mother and her two friends and the daughter and their two friends, her two friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was a massive archetype. And they even said it's Aphrodite at the end of the movie, right. Where the well explodes open. Right. Um, But the whole thing was a modern day Aphrodite tale. The reason it was so popular is because Aphrodite in her triple aspect, in her double, you know her older and younger self exist in the collective unconscious and we have not had an aphrodite tale in such a long time that it was just like yes right <laughs> and so you know this is one of those things that you have to understand as you're going into the concept of thinking symbolically is that you have all of these rich symbols that exist within every piece of of popular culture that has any weight at all Mm -hmm. right um so you know the the hero's journey is a classic mythological reference that is is covered in both harry potter and in the lord of the rings trilogies it's all a hero's journey right Mm -hmm. and you know the hero must must do it on his own ultimately but he has his friends to support him and this is this classic classic hero's journey yeah So what you have to do as you start thinking about magic is you have to start recognizing the symbols that exist within our cultural references. If you want to learn about symbols, best way to do that is to pick up a book on dream interpretation. Oh, okay. There's a ton of different symbols referenced in dream interpretation or you can look it up on dream sites that's up to you. You can also layer that in with information about um uh totem animals. Yep. That can be covered as well. I just got this great book called The Shaman's Guide to Power Animals. Um this particular book is really quite lovely for the fact that it it covers each animal in its own format so oh, wow. you get a whole lot of information about each animal and what it means and so that's based on what the animal does right and mm-hmm. and who the animal is in the world so you know if you're talking about grandmother spider which i talk about a lot there's the web right yep. so the web of life and you know catching things and understanding the vibrations of things and you know the the territorialness of spiders and that sort of thing so that that strength Of the spiders threads in comparison to the the web itself, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at animals, it's about the animal that's the animal's powers, right? And so when you start looking into the symbols that are in things Then you start to really begin to think symbolically Uh, Joseph Campbell actually did a whole series called "The power of myth on pbs years ago i it's it's on amazon or you know somewhere if mm-hmm. you if you look for it you'll find it
1: yeah
0: um it's a art series and it's divine for talking about symbology um and then there's also uh if you read young carl young yep um he did a huge amount on the collective unconscious and on symbols and symbology as well and so the 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 act of thinking symbolically allows you to skip the logic within your magic.
1: It also sounds like it it allows you to somewhat skip the language as well.
0: Absolutely. And the language can screw you up. Yeah. (laughs) So, however, you have to know all of the different ways in which the symbols are used so that you don't accidentally invoke something you don't want. Right. Right. So, for instance, if you use black for a funeral, but you're in China,
1: yeah, that would be right. wrong, yeah, so there's cultural impact there, right.
0: exactly that too yeah. uh, so you know this is the sort of thing that you wanna look at when you're thinking symbolically. So you want to really just absorb as much as you can about the symbology of different things. And so looking up the the magical implications of different trees, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, oak is protective and masculine. Birch is feminine, right? You know, the different types of things like that. A lot of the stuff we talked about in Sympathetic Magic will actually play into This as well, because they can they can have protective qualities or they can have influencing qualities. The purpose of learning how to think symbolically, though, is to begin to learn how to think in forms of ritual. Okay, okay. So if you're designing a ritual for yourself, let's say that you're gonna do a, a you know, you want to be more attractive. So then you have to start thinking about what is attraction, okay, and how does that happen? And it's not just about being pretty or handsome, it's about being magnetic. Yep. And so if you want to be magnetic, well, maybe you use a magnet in your ritual, okay. Right? If you want to attract your soulmate, maybe you put the soulmate you and you you think of something that that represents your soulmate and you put that on one half of the magnet and you put your picture on the other half of the magnet and you every day move them a little closer together that's a symbolic aspect of the working that you're doing
1: okay Does that make sense yeah it seems to tie a lot to intention and the you know leaning on that sympathetic magic aspect to really yeah. leverage the symbology okay yep very much
0: yeah. i mean it's a very simple concept yeah but you know rituals don't have to be complex to be worthwhile yeah and in fact the simpler they are the probably the more powerful they are because you know if you make it too complicated then the energy gets all bound up in the complication yeah so you know i mentioned this before but you know the the beginner witch says i'll use six different kinds of of essential oils and you know six candles and you know I'll face west and I'll do this and I'll do that and the intermediate which says oh yeah you know, I've got a mushroom and a string and a and a needle in my pocket make it work <laughs> you know I'll do a spell that says you know this is bad go away right yeah. and then the the advanced which says fuck off <laughs> <laughs> right? it's a very simple concept um simpler the more obvious the intent the less you rely on other things the easier it gets but uh you have to be really clear in your intent and really focused in your your abilities which is why the beginner which uses all the things right exactly. and they're like oh i need help i don't know i don't trust myself it's like okay you know you get to the point where you trust yourself and then you don't use the things as much but however even when you get to an advanced level where it's simply fuck off right um there is still a place where you're working on a super symbolic level and that fuck off comes with a massive blast of energy Mm -hmm. that shoves out into the, the ethers at, at whatever it is that you're trying to banish. Right. So, you know, even when you've gotten to the advanced levels and you're not using all the sympathetic magic stuff as much, not to say we don't use it at all because I do. Right. But even when you're not using it as much, you're still using the symbology of what you're doing and you're still designing symbolically. Okay. And there is power to creating an experience for yourself. There is, there is a, a tremendous amount of power in uh, sort of ritual theater. Okay. Because our subconscious minds don't know the difference between pretend, and reality. Okay. And so when you walk through a ritual space, even if it is just ritual drama in your mind, quote unquote, right? Yeah. If you take it at all seriously and you walk through it with intention, then it has an impact. Right. You know, a labyrinth on the ground is simply a circle with a bunch of spirals in it that, you know, you just follow. It's not anything relevant until you intend for it to be relevant. And when you study mythology, you also get additional symbology from that. Right. So, you know, when you walk the labyrinth, you should probably know the story of the Minotaur <laughs> and how the Minotaur lives at the center of the maze, right? right? That sort of thing. So, and we'll be, we're going to be doing a whole series on mythology with, uh, with Kathy yeah. coming up. Yeah. You know, we'll talk more about that as we go. But for the moment, thinking symbolically is super helpful, and and it's it's helpful not just in magic, but in in all sorts of things. If you want to be a writer uh, or a, a you know designer. Mm-hmm. Or even if you just play role playing games, <laughs> it
1: could be super helpful. Exactly,
0: I actually wrote an entire campaign using symbology like really heavily.
1: So it sounds like a lot of the symbology that we've talked about to this point comes from things like mythology and and some of those myths and stories that we've heard. Are there? I don't know how to describe it, but sort of more recent symbologies that can present themselves as we sort of advance and move along or symbolologies really based on what is told and and passed down through the ages. Is it like I pop think, culture symbology?
0: <laughs> if it's in existence long enough, so some of the Lord of the Rings stuff, yep, um can be symbolic. Yep. Um it's been around long enough, it's been engaged with for uh, long enough with enough people who are really actively engaged with it, mm-hmm. like living, eating, breathing it, you know, that uh, it has become its own mythology okay, uh, unto itself. Harry Potter, not as much. okay. And part of that is because Harry Potter references uh, different mythological things by like teacher's names and stuff like Professor Lupin, go yeah. figure, werewolf,
1: right? Yeah, exactly.
0: It doesn't it doesn't embroil itself in the mythos.
1: Right. It, it
0: has its own world, but it doesn't have its own mythology
1: per it's, se. It's borrowing from the the mythology and the symbology that has come before. To create
0: Yeah, its... and not even heavily. You know, it's it's the hero's journey and yeah. there's a nemesis and that's sort of a basic storyline arc thing mm-hmm. and there's a mentor you know, again, a storyline arc, it's, it's, you know, you can look at it and compare it to Lord of the Rings with Bilbo and, and Gandalf as being Harry and, and Dumbledore and, you know, Sauron as, as uh, you know, the, he who shall not be named Voldemort. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, you you can, you can really map them in that way, but unlike Tolkien who created a whole language and a whole, I, I think, I think it's a function of the depth to which Tolkien went with his work. Yeah, um, in creating a, the, he created a mythology for his his culture.
1: Right. It um, wasn't just the story; he built the world around it.
0: Exactly, and you know, she built a, a world, but she didn't build the foundation of the world in the way that that Tolkien did. Right. And to be fair, I mean that's a freak ton of work. Right? Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> I'm not
0: saying she should have because I absolutely adore the books; they're yes. a lot of fun. Yeah. But they are fun; they're not like deep level sort of stuff, um, which Tolkien can be taken in that that level because he he engages things at such a deep level. There were people who were really pissed off that that uh, Tom Bombadil didn't make it into the movies. Yeah, and it's because Tom Bombadil didn't do. Hardly anything for the plot, right, but he was there. Why was Tom Bombadil there? Well, because Tom Bombadil is the green Man, yeah. okay, <laughs> and he just is part of the mythology of the books, right yeah. There is a mythology to the books that is inherent within everything that Tolkien did with them, and that is why there's they've been such a a long standing long lasting process for them there are different even different scenes in which the movie uh, addresses some core level uh, mythos so for instance when galadriel takes the one ring Mm -hmm. and she goes big and dark and wild and she says i am all powerful all will love and fear me which most people do not remember from the movie right (laughs) (laughs) then it's because it's invoking the dark feminine aspect of the divine goddess and so you know that is its its whole thing and her initiation you know she she when she hands the one ring back she says i have passed the test i will fade and go to the west also known as I have completed my task. I have accepted my initiation and now I'm going to die. Right. That's what fade and go to the West means. And that's using mythology from, you know, he also tapped into to mythology that exists in our culture. Right. Right. So he tapped into the Fae and the, the elves and the, the, you know, hobbits were, I don't think existed before him, but, <laughs> but, you know, the dark elves and the, you know, all of that. He, he, he tapped into that um and wizards and trolls and orcs and you know all that stuff. Uh that stuff all existed before Tolkien, but he built it into his mythological reference and therefore it it helped to form the foundation of his his world. Yeah. So you know, when you when you look at Tolkien, the one ring could be a powerful symbol that you could use. Yeah. It that that is a symbol. I wouldn't because holy shit that would be a shitty symbol to use for ritual (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's gonna yeah that would be bad um but you know the the one ring is obviously built into the collective unconscious now right and you know even star trek certain things in star trek you could probably pull off because it's been around for 40 years because it's been so in a hand everybody's been like into the whole star trek thing um, You know, there isn't a single theme that's gone throughout Star Trek. But if you use the Star Trek insignia, for instance, yep. to like represent something that means, you know, altruism and truth and whatever, mm-hmm. you could probably use that pretty effectively in a ritual, uh, especially if people have a Star Trek reference. But even if they don't, honestly.
1: So for these symbols, then, it's really about... Their ability to start to create and generate their own morphic field mm-hmm. that people ultimately tap into leveraging the symbols as the entryway into this sort of energy absolutely yeah yeah, okay.
0: yeah, so if you want to know what your what what the foundational myths are for any culture, go read not any culture, but for, for Western culture, yeah. go read Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Grimm's fairy tales are the core mythology for most children. They have been sanitized by Disney. So don't read Disney.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Grimm's fairy tales are in fact quite grim. They are yes. well, well named, even though that wasn't what they were meant to be. But, but yeah, they are, they are core mythological references. So there's the, the old woman in the woods, the witch yeah, who is to be feared. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because uh, there have been a few things recently that are really trying to sort of um, undo that particular mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at maleficent, yeah and at uh, wicked, yeah, they are undoing that wicked witch.
1: Yeah, they're backing off the they're giving justification to the behavior. Right. They're
0: they're normalizing the dark feminine, yes, is what they're doing. Mythos of the fairy princess was broken by Princess Diana. Yeah. She her lifetime was to break the fairy princess Mm -hmm. archetype.
1: Yeah.
0: She broke it. Well and truly broke it. She was, you know, I I grew up watching her get married in the early 80s, 1984, she got married. And you know, she was the quintessential fairy princess. Mm. And then it all went to shit. Right. And by the late nineties, it was broken and she was gone. And she went from the princess, which title she was stripped from to renaming herself the queen of hearts. Mm. And so, which is kind of an interesting dynamic when you look at the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Right? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, hmm. <laughs> a little bit of she started that whole, you know, dark queen thing being undone, right? Yeah. yeah. So powerful, powerful human for for her station that she used to break that. Excellent. And um that has been the you know, as women start to step into their empowerment, the breaking of the fairy princess was required. Yeah. Because within the fairy princess. There is a lot of disempowerment. It's oh save me, my prince. My prince has come to save me. Life is great and good. All is wonderful if he's right next to me. Right? Yeah. But if I'm by myself, I'm in danger. Right?
1: right? Exactly. It's
0: exactly. just like fuck that noise. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am great and powerful Oz. No. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, it's just. You got to be powerful on your own. You you have to be complete on your own.
1: Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been really good. And I think very, very, very insightful. Um, I didn't know what you were talking about at the beginning. And now I do. (laughs) Mission accomplished.
0: And as you can tell, I just sort of scraped the surface. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there.
0: Oh, there's so much stuff. It's so, such a rich environment, such a rich.
1: Where can we go to get more information? I know you mentioned the book in the uh, series, the PBS series, but is there other stuff like that? Dream
0: interpretation websites and, you know, any, anything that explores mythology and mythos, um, or symbology, uh, itself. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. If you take classes on how to do movie making, there's a huge amount of symbology in movie making. In fact, anytime you see the color red in a movie,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: somebody's going to die Okay. or somebody's already dead.
1: All right. So there was a lot for us to take in here, folks. But if you have any questions about what you've heard today, or if you have any other questions or ideas for episodes or anything like that, you can send them to Kelly and you can email her at Kelly, K-E-L-L-E at kellysparta.com. And speaking of kellysparta.com, you can also go there and uh, subscribe to her mailing list. That's a great way to get more information about what's going on. Um, Just Kelly's thoughts she sends out and things like that. lots of, you know, you've said before that that, you know, we try to keep the podcast evergreen, but that's where a place where you might talk about what's going on in the moment or energetically or otherwise.
0: Yeah, if, if there's a disturbance in the force, I send it out on my, my newsletter. Okay. So if you want to hear about those sorts of things, they come out on the newsletter. So definitely sign up for that.
1: Yep. And speaking of subscribing for the mailing list, we also want you to subscribe to the podcast and rate it wherever you're listening to your podcast. That helps to uh, give more visibility to what's going on here. And of course, speaking of visibility, we're, we're just tying things together. It's like a long chain of stuff here. Um, share, 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 share. To let uh, your friends and your family know about Spirit Sherpa, that you like what Kelly's doing and um, that it might, might help them. As well.
0: Yeah. And, and if you see a thread in a Facebook group online or somewhere that relates to something that you've heard about in the podcast, please share that episode of that podcast into that group. Uh, I'm not allowed to do that in most of those groups. And so I, I get banned for doing it if I did that. Right. So uh, but you guys can do it all day long. And so <laughs> I would really appreciate it. That would be a great way for you to, to show me your appreciation because, uh, you know, only by the, the numbers at which it grows do we know that people are actually enjoying and listening. And, and uh, when you guys write in and tell us, so the more you can share and the more you can expand people's knowledge with this information, the, you know, the better off everybody is. And I so appreciate the help.
1: Awesome. All right. Um, Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up here for the day? I love you. Oh, there you go. Kelly loves you. And that is all that we have for this week. Be sure to join us next time, folks, as Kelly adds another chapter into your beginner's guide to energy, magic and the spirit world. I'm Joey C here with Kelly Sparta and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long,
0: everyone.
1: Bye. Spirit Sherpa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons by-nc-nd 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at kee dot com. that's kelly at kelly Sparta.com. to sign up or to get more information on the programs offerings and services referenced in this episode please go to kelly Sparta.com. this episode of spirit sherpa has been produced by honu voice productions
0: are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space,